And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me once again across Zoom is my co-host Matthew Dressing. Welcome, Matthew. Welcome, Joanne, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I am Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it is important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us this evening on Down the Garden Path. Uh, tonight, we wrap up our month-long talk about hardscaping and all the different varieties of aspects of hardscaping. We've had some wonderful guests, but we are especially excited tonight to take a look at trends in water gardening with returning guest, Ernest Williams from Aquascape. That's right. And just before we welcome Ernest to the show, a little bit about Ernest, if you haven't met him already. Uh, Ernest Williams is the Territory Sales Manager at Aquascape for Eastern and Northern Ontario. Aquascape is a manufacturer of water garden products and connects people to water the way nature intended. Homeowners have been enjoying professionally installed Aquascape water features or doing it themselves for close to 30 years. Ernest has been with Aquascape for over 15 years and in the horticultural industry for over 22. Welcome to the show, Ernest. Great to be here. Yeah, it's good to see you guys again. Yeah, yes, you too. Back. Well, now we really get to see each yeah, other. Truly, we've done yeah, it before <laughs> over the phone. So I'm so excited yeah. we could do it over Zoom. This so nice. thank you for joining us. We're really, really excited about this topic. Cool. Yeah, yeah look forward to the hour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as I was mentioning before we got going, uh, last year was a very popular year for water features. Yeah. Looks like this year is going, uh, I personally designed three or four gardens that included water features. So I'm excited to do more this year. I love to hear um, that. That's great. That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, so how, like, how have things been? Like, has it, has it really been a slow movement or has it been like COVID has really COVID, geared up the trend? You know what? I mean, say what you will. COVID really, I mean, it, it's affected uh, people a lot negatively. Um, but what it did do is force people outside, whether just mm -hmm. outside their own properties. I mean, I know provincial parks and others really benefited from the fact that people were home, but people being forced to be outside their own homes re really forced them to look around and see what can we do around our place if we're going to have people over and perhaps not in our living room, but, uh, you know, we'll have, a. um, we'll do something in our yard, you know, and maybe drown out the neighbors, that kind of thing. And so mm -hmm. nothing like a water feature to do that. And as soon as you start doing that, then you know what, I mean, birds get attracted to the water feature in your backyard. And we're seeing such a range of, of those features, whether it's, you know, small little fountainscapes, little patio type ponds up to, you know, massive, you know, we'll call them recreational ponds, you know, three season ponds. Mm -hmm things people can, you know, jump into and enjoy uh, being in there as well as, uh, yeah, just pondless features and other things. So definitely a huge trend as people uh, look to upgrade their, their outdoor spaces. Oh, that's mm -hmm. great. Have you noticed it um, 
more DIY? Like, has there been a, a like an increase in one of the areas? I know we do DIY as well as landscaper installed. Yeah. Have you noticed mm -hmm. the pendulum swing in, in? We've definitely seen a lot more uh, contractors take the leap into it. So whether it's um, assisting DIY, like, you know, the, their intent was to maybe do a patio and the homeowner had the idea to do a, you know, a little water feature or a pond. And so we got contractors that are saying, you know, we're here already. I've got some equipment. Why don't I, you know, assist you with it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we're, and then the nice thing about that is um, water building water features is it's a, it's an addictive, <laughs> it's addictive. Once you get started, it, it um, you either want another one on your property or for contractors, they want to try another one and they, you know, because they're, they're artists at the end of the day, right? And mm -hmm. water really gives a nice palette for you to work on in the landscape. And so it excites them. And so the next project they're going to design, they're going to talk to somebody. And so they'll, so we've seen a growth in contractors building water features. And um, we have a whole, you know, certified process and actually a whole new little Aquascape University that we've developed um, to, for training purposes so that people can be comfortable doing it. Uh, and then, yeah, totally the flip side is the DIYers, you know, yeah, that's a nice little unused portion of my patio. I want something there and flipping through catalogs or visiting garden centers, they see what they can do. Um, so they'll at least start with, with something they can do themselves. And you know what, for their second pond, they might call somebody to do it for them. You know, it was, mm. ah, this one wasn't big enough and that was <laughs> a lot more work than I thought, you know, Joanne, yeah. can you design something for me and yeah. <laughs> have a contractor come in and build it for me that kind of thing so yeah okay. we're, it's such a mix I'd, it's hard to put a number to it but i'd mm -hmm. say it's, it's a mix maybe 60 40 contractor to diy but there's definitely a um a do it for me market you know kind of thing. okay can you speak a bit to because i think the training program you have in the you know the water um aquascape university part yeah. how has that changed like is it now a zoom meeting or a zoom webinar mm -hmm. you know what yeah there was uh last year forced as with everybody to really pivot yeah. what they offer we had a um a whole you know plan of attack with a hands-on training academy down at our, our head office in saint charles and then here in canada in uh, aquascape's head office is in uh, illinois just outside of chicago um but we have a canadian office in in concord here and we would do training events whether it's with uh garden centers or other retailers that carry our product and we do some hands-on events and builds, but we couldn't do those obviously. And so we did pivot to a, a whole digital platform. And last year was, you know, kind of a trial with it, with something we called the Hands-On Training Academy. Mm -hmm. And then it launched our Aquascape University this year. So it's a it's a series of videos, um, video courses really, uh, with, you know, quizzes at the end and exams at the end. Oh, wow. Thing, but on uh, about, I think it's 30 courses you can take about um, six. Uh, I can't remember the numbers, but the whole number, hundred hours, hundreds, hundreds of hours of video okay. <laughs> all together. Yeah. Um, so some of the courses are simple and some are a little more advanced, uh, you know, advanced filtration and other products and stuff like that. But so we're seeing, yeah, definitely a, a good pickup on that. People wanting that kind of information. And then it leads to still wanting to, nothing beats hands-on. So either uh, they're trying it for themselves, you know, they'll, you know, for contractors, they might be doing it at their design studio or for, you know, a unsuspecting family member, you know, that wants a <laughs> water feature to try and get their, their, you know, get something done and get their crew yeah. excited about building it. Um, 
it's rare that they want to, you know, experiment with a customer, but um, there is that as well. You know, it's like, you know, Mrs. Jones, do you mind if I <laughs> learn how to do this on your property? But uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. so there's that kind of thing. But yeah, no, it's the digital platform has been a, um, a great way to, to connect people to water as well. So. Yeah. And I think it's been a, it's showed people it's a different way of learning, but it can be more convenient because it's not always easy to make it to a site and, and, you know, so where, when you're doing it virtually, you know, you can do it around your own schedule. So sometimes I think attendance is actually, it's actually more successful because it's more convenient. Yeah, no, our our training, because, you know, the nature of our business, you know, when, when the weather's good, we want to be building and working. So we tend to do these in the winter time or when it's you know off season you run the risk of snowstorms and other things like that so having a digital platform you know you can do it your own time your own leisure after you've plowed or whatever you can come in and <laughs> <laughs> sit and listen for a little bit so yeah no you're right that's uh, more convenient for folks that's good and i think it was really smart to come you're not only selling the contractors and the homeowners the products but you're also teaching them and giving them all the tools in order to yeah. Um, to learn how to do it because it's not, it's not dig a hole and plug in a thing. And like, you no. know, it's because even homeowners were <laughs> like, you know, when they see the quotes, right. They're like, and it's like, yeah, a lot goes into this. Like I know when the, you know, ground up level up, like that's the easy stuff, right. It's all right. the stuff yeah. below and all the levels. And, Absolutely and so, right. you, you know, so usually the, the sticker shock um, fades <laughs> once they watch what the contractors go through to build it. You know, yeah. I, I find that's one of the biggest things where people are like, wow, I did not know it was yeah. so involved, you know? Yeah. I mean, we used to do, you know, uh, call them build upon pond days, yeah. build upon mm-hmm. days kind of thing, right? And it, uh, we have a system that we can, you know, typically build a pond in a day. You start early in the morning and work your way through. And for, you know, whether it's a garden center or a, um, somewhere, uh, people can come and help out for those days. And it's great. It's a great hands-on way of learning. Um, inevitably, we didn't, like, I mean, Matthew, remember, like we would do some of those and you'd have contractors attend those days because inevitably they're there digging away and wow, this is a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. You know, do you know somebody that can do this for me? And maybe <laughs> there's a contractor right there, you know, and so then they're just to say, yeah, you know, this is what we do every day or every week, right? So, oh, um, okay. And then, yeah, you're right. So for both, really, it's eye-opening as far as the training goes. Because mm-hmm. um, we have a lot of contractors that, you know, see a beautiful picture. You know, I'm looking at, you know, this little, you know, magazine we've gotten. Oh, I want to build that, you know, and they're going to start. Yeah. That'll be their first uh, oh. feature they build, you know. And, okay, <laughs> wow. Well, I budgeted yeah. two days for this, and it's taken me, you know, three weeks already. And I've <laughs> lost my shirt. So Absolutely. if we can train them on how to get that done right and done well mm-hmm. then that customer is going to be much better served and same for homeowners right and if they have a better sense of what they're getting into with the water feature then that much better yeah i think there needs to be a disclaimer on that cover to say they can't do this in two days no, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> definitely oh definitely yeah um looks like we have a couple of questions from our listeners matt we do uh juanita has written in Hello, excellent show tonight. My question, uh, if I'm going to put in a small pond, is a, uh, is it better for a preformed plastic one or one that is dug out and uses a vinyl liner? Thank you. Ooh, good question. Mm, great question. Yeah, no, we, um, yeah, for years we sold preformed ponds and they're, it seemed pretty convenient and easy to use. 
Um, my hesitancy with them is the excavation of it really does need to be exactly the shape of that preformed pond. Otherwise, over time, you're going to have some settling and other things like that. Um, you're limited also on obviously the design of it to that preformed pond. The price of, uh, she said vinyl liner, but we, it's actually an, it's a rubber compound, EPDM liner that we like to use because it's, it's actually much more flexible, conforms to whatever you dig. Um, so I like, anyway, I guess my, <laughs> I would more, sooner use a rubber liner for, for the pond. Um, mainly because, yeah, you're able to to shape it. It'll conform to whatever you dig and you can go to, a, you know, the depth that you want it at and other things like that. So Okay. And not as not a concern as to, as far as the, like if the ground, because we know it settles and we're going to yeah. get freeze and thaw. So the vinyl or the rubber accommodates that better? It does. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the EPDM is quite flexible up to, I think it's minus 45 that it's mm. still uh, usable. Um, okay. So if you're out building ponds in minus 45, you know, I head off to you, but, That's right. <laughs> but as far as it surviving our Canadian winters, uh, EPDM does quite well. Um, the shells do too, like the preformed ponds, but I just found if you don't dig it to exactly, you know, the way you know, you've got an eight inch shelf and then another deeper area, maybe 18 inches as you're digging into your, whether it's clay or sand and you got to pull it back out and shape that again, you've gone too low in there. Then the next year, you know, that, becomes a sagging area and then all of a sudden you've got kind of a leaking area at the preform mm -hmm. pond and stuff so we just found over the time we haven't sold preforms at aquascape for probably about 10 or 15 years now or maybe 10 years or so, so. Oh, okay all right yeah. oh, but okay there are still ones out there and if if it works for you some yards it works some people mm -hmm. actually use them above ground and kind of build up around them and stuff like that so mm -hmm. but anyway yeah yeah a little like together. yeah i could see that kind of being a little bit of a i don't want to say cheap but like a shortcut right sure yeah you know that kind of thing well that's great though it's good to know that especially with our precarious winters and seasons that uh the rubber is the way yeah. to go it is indeed so. yeah nan is also written in uh hello how do i figure out the size of pump that i need for my pond thank you oh, excellent question yeah, so there's there <laughs> pumps are one of those things that the, there's a bunch of factors that go into choosing it properly. There's the the actual physical dimension of the pond, so you kind of want to move just for circulation purposes. I like to move at least the total volume of the pond every hour, roughly. Uh, so whatever pump I choose, that's the first number I'm going to use. So basically, you take the the length times the width of the pond. And you're kind of taking the average. Some ponds are kidney shaped or amoeba shapes, weird, but take the longest points of them um, or the average, I guess, of those lengths and then the depth of it and multiply that by 7.48. So you're taking the volume of the pond and figuring what a cubic foot of water, how much water is in a cubic foot, basically. You, you know what I'm saying. Length times yes. width times depth times 7.48 tells you how many gallons are in the pond. Now in the industry, we typically use US gallons uh, just for a lot of the, the pump flows and, and other things like mm -hmm. that. So uh, that, that'll give you US gallons. So that tells me if it's a thousand gallons, I want a pump that's at least doing a thousand gallons an hour so that the whole pond moves every hour. Now, typically there's gonna be a waterfall 
um, or some sort of activity in the pond, the number for that calculation, now I wanna worry about how far away the pump is pumping. <laughs> so if it's- <laughs> I know, you know the math. I know, did she know that there would be this much math? But know, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry Ernest, I'm sorry. <laughs> I hope she's okay with this. Get your pencil out, but oh, you're okay. uh, the pump will be at one end of the pond because you want good circulation in the pond. If I only have the pump in one corner and I have the waterfall or you know, whatever, one side of the pond, and I have the waterfall on that same side, then I've got a whole lot of dead space that isn't circulating. You always want the pump on the other end of the pond so that it's drawing water always around, you know, through the whole pond. So I'm gonna measure from where the pump is sitting all the way to the waterfall. And that'll be my length or my uh, run. Okay. And then the work the pump has to do is actually you know, kind of how high up it needs to pump. So, uh, Joanne, you mentioned you built a you know a five foot high waterfall. So I want to know how high up that waterfall that pump is going to be powering. So if it's five feet, four feet, three feet, or ten feet, you know some ponds are huge, obviously. But if it's going up five feet, then there's a calculation on the or a performance chart on each pump, and it'll tell you how many gallons per hour it's going to do at certain head heights how high up it's going so you take that number and then i take the distance that it's running so if it's going around the side of the pond maybe say 15 or 20 feet i'm going to take two of those head height numbers. <laughs> mm -hmm. i love this anyway so for every <laughs> 10 feet of run you add one foot of head height so if it's 20 feet it's two feet of head height and in addition to that five feet of actual head height, so it's about seven feet of head height. So you're going to take that number, look at the performance on the chart, make sure that at that number, it's doing at least a thousand gallons an hour, because that's what I want in the pond, right? And mm -hmm. I want that circulating the whole time. Now, the other factor is actually the stream and the waterfall. So if I've got a two foot wide waterfall, if I only give it a thousand gallons an hour, I'm going to really end up with just a trickle over that two feet. Right. So just experience has told us that roughly for every foot of waterfall you want, and again, it depends on what kind of look you're going for, but if you want to, you know, see that water and not necessarily Niagara Falls, but you want to see a good uh, flow of water coming over the waterfall, you want about, say, 1,000 to 1,500 gallons an hour per foot of waterfall. So if it's two feet wide, I want, roughly 3,000 gallons an hour. So then I'm gonna need a pump that at seven feet of head height will give me 3,000 gallons an hour. And that's, and that my friends is the short story on how you choose a pump. <laughs> anyway. Oh my gosh, who knew that it was so much math involved, but there, there's a reason right there to get a contractor to install it for you. Because <laughs> if you don't wanna to have to do the math. <laughs> but so the nice good. thing about it, we do, uh, familiar with like as a company we sell kits mm -hmm. and often we size the kits based on what we assume would be in that waterfall so our smaller pumps will come or smaller kits will come with about you know 2,000 gallon per hour pump because the smaller waterfall we have is about 15 inches wide um, some of the bigger ones we have come with a maybe 4,000 gallon per hour pump and upwards from there some 8,000 9,000 gallons per hour so based on the size of the waterfall, as well as the size of the pond and the stream and stuff like that. So yeah, all those <laughs> things, some of those questions are answered 
uh, when you're able to buy a kit. So yeah, yeah, that must make it easier too. That knowing it comes. At the end in of the day, it, it really does. Even for mm-hmm. you know whether it's retail staff as well too, because mm-hmm. kind of everyone likes the idea of oh no, I can't use a kit because my pond is customized and you, <laughs> uh, I won't fit in the cu- you know cookie cutter. But yeah, um, at the end of the day, your every yard is different. Every every rock you choose is different, right? So there's mm-hmm. no two ponds that are going to look alike, even if they do use the same kit. So um, yeah, my boss likes to say they're one of a every pond is a one of a kind custom creation, you know, kind of thing. So yes, <laughs> very true. Okay. Do you yeah. find what percentage of contractors defer to a kit and use kits, or do they just kind of install it themselves after the mm-hmm. university? Yeah, you know what, a lot will come with the idea as i was explaining actually it's a lot of contractors that have that mentality that they won't use a kit because everything they have is is you know has to be custom but when you start doing the numbers you know it's like okay well we're going to need a you know four thousand gallon power pump and we'll need a liner that's maybe 12 by 15 and you know what at the end of the day that fits right in this kit you know you may have an extra foot of liner here but it fits within your custom creation anyway so there's a good number that are leaning towards kits um, uh, because it it does fit a lot of uh, what's required, what people need. Um, so numbers-wise, I know I have some customers that uh, um, you kind of have to walk people through to realize what they're going to get. And then you say, you know what, it fits in a kit anyway. So <laughs> here, here you go <laughs> and just make it work. Otherwise, And yeah, would there be a works. cost savings? Like it, y- yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, would it be also a financial savings? Yeah, yeah. We've tried to price it so you're saving eight to 10% or so if you get the kit. Obviously, as a manufacturer, it's easier for us to put kits together. um, So we make it advantageous for your uh, customers to do that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Um, Can you speak to the the trends like over the last, you know, even pre COVID, you know, um, the, have you noticed, has Aquascape noticed a trend in the last few years? Yeah. So, I mean, as a company, you know, our tagline was, you know, everyone wants a pond, they just don't know it yet. Right. And so you kind of wait and you Mm -hmm. see it and you Oh, wow. I saw my neighbor has one or whatever, that kind of thing, but not everybody wants a pond. That's what we've found. Um, Some people want, um, what we call a pondless waterfall. So for a long time, those were popular. And basically the, the thought there is it's everything you get out of a pond without the pond. It's the waterfall, the stream, the bubbling, you know, or yeah, just the movement of water. And some of them are really big and long, but they just disappear into a bed of gravel. Uh, so pondless features are popular because they, um, I guess they, they fit a niche for where people for safety purposes might want um again we try and design the pond so that they're safe people um if you go into them there's uh steps to get in and out anyway that wasn't your question but so mm-hmm. pondless features are part of a trend um but then yeah not everybody wants a pondless feature some people have really small decks um small patios so patio ponds or patio features just bubbling rocks are super popular now so fountainscapes we call them fountainscapes so um, we okay. have a whole line of, you know, kind of resin stacked slate products, whether spheres or walls and other things like that. So just getting water in so many various ways. So, you know, it's, it's a glorified bird bath, really, for some of them. Uh, some are quite large, but it really does attract 
neighborhood wildlife in that way. So you get, you know, whether it's, you know, sparrows and crows and grackles and other things coming to your water feature. Yeah. <laughs> but fountainscapes are huge, are a great uh, trend. Mm -hmm. The other thing is people um, kind of replacing pools and other things with ponds. Um, so we can't, we don't really want to call them swimming ponds, but they're recreational ponds. They're um, large enough to, to swim in, large enough to, to enjoy. The nice thing about that is it almost looks like a natural lake in your backyard or a pool, because some of them are quite large, you know, 40 feet by 30 yeah. feet or whatever. Um, but you can enjoy them for much longer than you can a pool, because uh, in you know our climate, you really get you know, you're pushing two months, maybe two and a half months of true enjoyment of a, of a pool and the rest of the time it's covered or just you know sitting there with a pond then yeah. you know, if you're not in it you're enjoying the fish and the lights and the sound of the waterfall and other things so there's mm. that there's a trend we're seeing and okay. then that's good even in yeah. Ontario that is great that's exciting yeah. I know our listeners are from all over but and so I know there's yeah. a popular trend in and like Colorado some other you know people I follow on Instagram that are doing okay. these living you know these swimming ponds yeah. and i natural think that's exciting ponds or natural recreation mm -hmm. ponds and then the other side is just um stormwater management really using even the that idea of a pondless feature or a bubbling rock making the basin for it you know five times ten times the size of what it needs to be and capturing stormwater off your roof and kind of reusing it for purposes around the property so yeah sustainable landscaping really or sustainable water features are, are really uh, on trend really? you do you still have the rain exchange system that pops into my yeah head? absolutely yeah no we do it's uh um yeah it, it's it's been an exciting addition to our lineup of what we offer and um basically yeah we call it the rain exchange system or our stormwater management system but it as a whole system it does what i said you're building a huge tank basically using the rubber liner and something we call um, aqua blocks. Uh, yeah. You can picture, a, I hate saying it, but it looks like a milk crate, basically. Yes, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. That's right. It's milk crates, yeah. but not really. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, they, they actually are load-bearing. Um, they can be driven on when they're properly compact or uh, uh, built and uh, backfilled and everything like that. The, the ground gets dispersed around it and you can uh, have it as a, you know, underneath a patio it could be underneath um yeah we've had them under driveways and other things like that under parking lots really? even so all that water that lands on a rooftop or off a yeah groundwater even can run into these systems you can then reuse rainwater for that purpose so a lot of municipalities are using or moving towards even charging for you know uh impervious services so like if you're putting a a patio in they kind of want to know that a lot of it is actually going to percolate down to the groundwater so you're seeing a lot more permeable patios and permeable pavement going in mm -hmm. and the rain exchange system ties in nicely with that because it gives that water an area to go to and you can reuse it for a lot of the areas where we don't need uh to use potable water really so watering your plants even washing your car washing your windows in your house you don't really need chlorinated filtered water for that. Um, but you could reuse the water that's already hitting your rooftop, right? And, and kind of thing. So as a as a system, that was one thing we've uh, yeah, continue to see being 
uh, done in properties. Okay. Making sustainable features. I think that's so cool. And I, I keep picturing, I think I saw it on one of the Aquascape advertisements, the downspout connecting to that kind of dry riverbed that goes through the garden. Uh, and then they had the cutaway where uh, there was a rain exchange system under the driveway and they could water. The, I think that's yeah. so neat. Yeah. Um, and then you get the, the beauty of whether it's the pondless waterfall on top of that, stirring up that, you know, whatever, 3,000 gallons or even just 1,000 or 500 gallons underground. Um, you got the bubbling feature and you can tee off of that and use it for your irrigation around your property, right? So, yeah, it's neat. It, it's, uh, it's an eye-opener. It gets people thinking at least of other, you know, ways because you can watch the water just go down your downspout and off to the road, right? And yeah, like, oh, that's all free water leaving. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to be able to capture it, use it yeah. successfully or enjoy it. So it actually you could attach like a, a water, like you said, like a bubbling rock and, and right. use it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So we're seeing a lot of those. That, those are trends. The other big trend, I guess, for us this year is fire, really. Um, I just, you know, kind of <laughs> the base elements of our humanity, really just but, um, <laughs> fire features, fire. We've, uh, we've added a couple. Um, yeah. Fire and water has always been an attraction for, for people. And so being able to mix the two, we've got really popular basalt columns. Just that's another uh, bubbling mm -hmm. feature. But we've added the uh, ability to have these propane torches added to them. So you have kind of fire coming out plus the water coming out below it. Um, we have another couple spillway features that have water flowing on underneath the fire on top of it. It's just kind of, you know, tricks the eye there, illusion, but it is really attractive. So. Okay. Does it give off heat? Like, cause I know fire pits and fire tables are a popular yeah. trend. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is it, does it give off a little bit of heat like a fire table would? These ones do. The three that we've introduced this year, yeah, 60,000 BTUs of, <laughs> of power coming at you. So, or heat. Wow. Yeah. So, and they have the ability to be either propane or, uh, or natural gas with the oh really cool natural gas fitter put that together for you but yeah yes uh, yes good good asterisk there <laughs> <laughs> if i don't say something yeah. yeah yeah well same with the fire pit like natural gas fire pit we right. we want the gas fitters doing that job <laughs> yeah so. yeah so those are those are neat and i mean again with the with people staying outdoors um a little bit longer and you know later into the evenings and stuff having that fire going and just uh keep it going is nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most definitely. We got a couple questions, but you know what? I'm going to just take a, a moment to pause and just say thank you to everybody who's uh, joining us live here on Reality Radio 101. Uh, I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests like Ernest Williams from Aquascape that join us here on the show. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, Ernest is uh, from Aquascape. He's been involved in many aspects of water feature business, including warehousing, purchasing sales, installing, training, and consulting. And he encourages everyone to take the plunge into the water feature lifestyle because when water feature is done right, you will never look back. Don't forget, uh, spend some more time with us down the garden path. You can find us on your favorite podcast provider. Uh, and while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content like 
share, and leave us a comment. And you can always find us, uh, Joanne, at downtoearth.ca and myself at naturalaffinity.ca uh, as well. So we've got a few questions. Um, I think they're a little off uh, the trend topic, but they are good questions nonetheless. Uh, Shelly has written in, hi, are there any maintenance chemicals that you can recommend to maintain the water quality of my pond? I have no fish in it. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if I want to, do I want this to be a commercial? Because I know we got products. <laughs> <laughs> I got water treatment. You uh, go but for basically, it. yeah, what you're looking for is, is, uh, um, typically when I, you know, training people, you want to find out what the issues are. And so if there's a filter already, the filter is looking for beneficial bacteria, And that's what we try to, as much as possible, stick with, you know, the natural processes that are happening in, in waterways around the world. And so there's, you know, the nitrogen cycle happens within a pond. We've got a closed system, so we try and duplicate that. So adding beneficial bacteria to a water feature is uh, is definitely one way to um, combat dirty water because you're giving the pond kind of what it needs. You're loading it with mm. nitrobacter. You're basically nitrifying, getting rid of nitrites and ammonia and other things uh, that are um, feeding, whether it's algae and other things in the mm -hmm. pond. So if you can do that. Um, yeah. Oddly enough, we have a product called Beneficial Bacteria. Anyway, so <laughs> you might want to find that as a product and just base it on the size of the pond. Um, weekly doses are recommended, um, but, you know, depending on how comfortable you are with, you know, maintaining the pond, if you're out there a lot, you're removing uh, sludge and other things that are building up. And it does depend on what the pond is, um, how it was built. So if there's right. no filter system, then adding Beneficial Bacteria um, it's kind of looking for surface area. So if there's no kind of concentrated filter area, you might be having to do it more regularly um, because it's only finding the surface area, whether it's on the, you know, the gravel or the rocks in the pond. Um, otherwise there is, and again, if it's, if it's more um, sludge that's in the pond, there's, you know, there's a lot of sludge cleaner product that we have, whether it's, we have these new um, sludge remover pack pouches what do we call them anyway they're basically dissolvable pouches okay. you can throw them into the pond um the nice thing about them because they're in a dissolvable pouch which also has actually some bacteria on it as it uh kind of expands and opens up it immediately goes to the targeted area uh. and breaks down whatever sludge is there mm -hmm. um converts it into a usable form for whether plant material. And I can't say enough about having plants in a pond as well. I should mention there's enough fish in there, but you definitely want to have some plants, whether, and it's early obviously for plants now, but you're going to want to have three layers, you know, floating plants, whether hyacinths or lettuce around the pond, um, marginal plants that they want to sit in, you know, pots or in the pond, six inches, eight inches down, and then some deep water uh, plants, the lilies and iris and other things like that. To, they're, they're the ones that provide shade for the pond, but they also, all these plants work at using up nutrients that are in the pond mm. and, you know, oxygenating plants as well are important too. So we like to say, you know, 50 to 60% coverage of plants in any pond is a good number. 
Really? Um, if I was here with okay. my friends at Moore Water Gardens, they'd say 80%. <laughs> but the more plants, again, there are some people that don't even use filters and all they use are plants. Mm -hmm. um, but you definitely want to have yeah, plants in a pond. First off, they're the, the jewels. They make the pond look beautiful. And that's what, yeah. instead of yeah. it just being a big you know, open puddle, right? Kind of thing. Yeah, so. for sure. And fish too. Like I think people, are people scared of fish? Or... Yeah. I think so. And and to be honest with you, as part of the nitrogen cycle, the fish do uh, contribute a fair bit in their waste. They do. Mm -hmm. um, but their waste has ammonia in it, which gets converted to nitrates that they can actually. Uh, so they're part of the cycle, they're part of the system. Yeah. And you treat them like, you know, like pets, you can feed them, but they actually will just survive in a pond um, as um, there's enough kind of nutrient activity that happens in a pond for fish to survive um but they're pets and so you feed them <laughs> kind of that's right fish food you put in and if you get good quality fish food then you're you know dealing with less waste and other things like that and they, you'll see them grow in their colors and you know if you're dealing with koi and or even you know some really nice goldfish and other things too so okay that's they good. all contribute to maintaining that pond mm-hmm mm -hmm. so i was just thinking from shelly's question just about all the water treatments um, and I don't think we've mentioned it, but uh, Shelly and any of our other listeners who might be interested in Aquascape's water treatment line, you can go to aquascapeinc.com uh, is their Aquascape's website. And uh, just under uh, the top yeah. search bar, we've got Shop Pond products and they've got all their amazing uh, water treatments there. I love Aquascape's water <laughs> treatments and everything. And yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so take a look there. Definitely. Um, I think... Or, yeah, sorry, just I'll say, yeah, so we've sure. got a lot of different water treatments. Um, the other thing we introduced a few years back, which has been pretty popular, is an automatic dosing system. Mm -hmm. um, just for, for lazy people out there, basically, <laughs> people that forget. Yeah, because inevitably, um, you're loving your water feature and it looks fine. So you, I'll skip a week or I'll skip this week or mm -hmm. did you do it, honey? I didn't, you know, and that kind of yeah. thing. So, the automatic dosing system acts almost like an IV for the pond. Um, so it, you basically, it can sit beside the skimmer or just outside and a little tube runs into the pond. And it actually is, it really is. It's got a peristatic pump on it that just drips in treatments a couple times each day. And you size it to the pond. It's an automatic system. You can, you know, if it's a 2000 gallon pond, you can plug that in the machine. And it'll do it for you. And that way you, you don't end up with the swings. You know, it's like, oh, my goodness, mm -hmm. it's so bad. Let's go get the water treatments. And I'll, I missed that yeah. week. So I'll put twice as much this week and mm -hmm. I'll wait for it to get nice again. Okay, there we go. Now, you know, you, yeah. you can get that constant enjoyment of the pond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's that um, like not I thought you did it. No, I thought you did it. Or that's yeah. the opposite of I already did it. Well, I did it again, exactly. you know, <laughs> so it kind of eliminates that uh, that kind of thing yeah. uh, for sure. So that's great. Um, yeah. One of the trends I I mean, you mentioned it as well, but one of the ones um, we did a couple last year where they were um, people who had had larger ponds and yes. they'd had them for years and they just really wanted to go to something um, hmm. 
lower maintenance. And actually they called me in to do a design, like to actually remove it and to do a garden. And I was able to convince them to go to pondless because right. they, they still loved the water and they still loved the sound of the water and the look of the water. They just didn't want to do the maintenance anymore, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it, once they learned about the pondless and that mm-hmm. there was no standing water, no need for fish, but yeah. at least it still gave them that natural look. And we could garden a little bit more aggressively, you know, depending on the layout. Um, You know, it was quite successful and we were really happy. Um, I did a couple of my friend, Nancy Green did a couple. And and so, you know, uh, definitely a shout out to our listeners out there. If you are, you know, wanting to kind of weigh the pros and cons, or if you have a large pond that you, you know, you don't know what to do with, um, you know, you can keep it, keep Mm -hmm. those rocks and keep so many of the elements and um, with a qualified, I don't know that it's a DIY thing, but I think it with a qualified <laughs> landscaper um, actually converted into more of a pond less, um, you know, water Agreed. feature. Yeah, totally. No, between that or yeah, even just a large bubbling feature or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think uh, at the end of the day, most people with the pond, like you're right, that uh, I need something with less maintenance and the go-to is we'll just cover it over and, and do something else. But when they yep. you know, get told that they're I can still have the water. You can, you know, your birds will still enjoy the, the feature. Yeah. Or, and it, it's a fun place for for kids or grandkids to splash around in or play in. Um, that's one thing. And actually, just uh, reminded me, there is another trend. Uh, just with people being at home more often and a lot of the kids being home, um, people want that distraction from the amount of screen time that we have, of course. Mm. So having a water feature, I'm, you know, I'd much rather have my kids sit out and watch the fish, you know, play around, but it's also yeah. a great outdoor classroom, really. I mean, I've talked about, you know, we we call it the Aquascape ecosystem. Uh, we actually trademarked that name somehow, but anyway, it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's our ecosystem we created, but it's, uh, <laughs> um, but it's the idea of it being, I'm, uh, it's a great learning tool, whether it's, you know, just the, the nitrogen cycle that I kind of alluded to. Um, it's watching, you know, how do fish survive the winter? Okay, where do they go? And um, what, you know, their heart rate drops to a beat per minute and they can survive winter. So you teach them all these, you know, kids can learn these things. Um, it's a whole new form of gardening as well. You know, watching water plants, you know, how do they work, you know, and they want to be wet all the time. And so anyway, as an outdoor classroom, it's somewhere where they can learn. Um, people like that aspect of it too. So that mm-hmm. it's, uh, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I, I think it is something that, yeah, they're looking, they're learning when the fish have babies and the little frogs and, yeah. to, you know, the, watching the circle of life outside, yeah, um, cool. watching the birds uh, interact as well with the, with the fish. Um, yeah, I know. I think you're right. I think it, uh, you know, we do want our kids away from the screens and, yeah. you know, and enticing them. That has been a benefit of this as people are outside more. And yeah. that's just another little feature that you can add, um, yeah. you know, to, to the, to the landscape. So yeah, that's a great yeah. point. How are, so the dreaded question, um, sure. just with the demand of supplies um, mm. and all the different like issues with the supply chains a little bit. So is, you know, and I know the season is just kicking off here in Ontario. Yeah. So how do, how are supplies, like how did we manage yeah. on the off season? Like are the stores stocked and ready to go or are there There's still a, some? a good number that are stocked and ready to go. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I almost feel bad for those that are calling me, you know, now because <laughs> they should have <laughs> called me weeks ago. But 
Um, it is a it's a challenge to get product, but we've yeah we're doing you know our best to get as much into the garden centers. I think a lot um, based on last year when mm-hmm. it was kind of June July where oh my goodness it is everyone's out and let's get stuff. Um, a lot are kind of jumping on board earlier and making sure they've got Good. product and making sure they have uh, stuff to hit that demand that's already being. You know, we had a couple of nice days last week, of course, and, you know, everyone wants to move their orders up early and stuff like that. So oh, it is okay. a challenge um, yes. when, yeah, the everyone wants it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And and probably seeing with the, especially with some of the newer products, like you said, you're, how are the, like yeah. the new fire and water uh, items? Yeah. yeah. So there, as, as new products and we've had the factories working, you know, to get those created and, um, yeah containers are sometimes a challenge to work with or <laughs> to get over um but uh we're doing yeah the best we can to get yeah. get product in the stores right now so it, it's uh uh we can ask for patience <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> kind of thing but uh yeah no it's exciting to see um i know we've shipped a lot more than we did last year at this point um oh, so okay. yeah to be in the, this position is you know life without whatever, all businesses is fixing problems, right? So Right. So yes, we, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So. And I think it just sets, we're just, I just want to, I don't want to put you on the spot. I just want to set everybody's expectations. I mean, same yeah. thing with people calling me today for a landscape design and letting me know that they're free tomorrow. Well, right. that's good, but uh, you know, I'm booking, I'm booking the end yeah. of April. So, you know, so I think, I think that, you know, it is, we are lucky and fortunate to be in an industry that is kind of yeah. booming right now. And uh, we just, I just really want to set everybody's expectations. So if you're thinking about a water feature, you're thinking about adding something to either an existing landscape or a new landscape, um, planning is key and making those decisions, the sooner, the better, right? And, you know, and, and letting your contractor know that that's a possibility, looking at where we can source the products. Um, mm-hmm. I want to give a shout out to Jackson Ponds. Uh, I know I'm in the East End in Pickering and they're in the West End, but mm-hmm. I did uh, venture out there last year to pick up a couple of products. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved their store and it was a great, I think it was a great, they have a great model of being able to go in and actually see everything set up all in they're one at, place. Oh, so it was quite impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So anybody in the GTA, you can Google uh, Jackson Ponds and you can kind of go because, you know, the catalog, your catalogs are amazing. The website's amazing, but nothing beats, you know, because even I, I mean, I put like I mentioned, I put in the two spillway bowls uh, last yeah. year, as well as this one of the spheres mm-hmm. and just not knowing is it the size, right? Okay. And not knowing. And honestly, yeah. until they put because I think I got the medium sphere yeah, and, you know, it shows up in that box and you look at the garden and you look at the ball and you're like oh oh, is it too big you know and it isn't until you put it in that you're like oh and that plants go in and it you know it makes sense so it it is a visual you know it's a visual thing and even though you read the measurements you know it said it's 28 (laughs) inches but you know you know so uh so yeah so i think that uh shout out again to to them for for setting up most of their products and having them most of your products really yeah Um, no it's a big commitment for retailers to to put some of that stuff up and you know they're yeah it, it you're right nothing beats a, a showing mm-hmm. of what you can see i know i mean there are other retailers that that you know, whether it's ikea and other places you know it's like yes you want to walk through and see a kitchen then no there's a kitchen for you right but yeah um and with when you can do that with an outdoor pond or pondless or yeah bubbling yeah. feature 
Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. The How other, um, or do you have other questions? Sorry, no, or, no, you go ahead. Okay, yeah, no, I was just going to say the other trend I almost skipped over was, um, as with most, uh, whether it's, you know, outdoor stereos and other things like that, but Wi-Fi, um, smart controls. Ooh. So we've uh, launched into that a few years back and uh, seen a big uptick in that with regards to, um, started with just some, like our pumps, being able to control them through your phone. They're connected to Wi-Fi. Um, this year we introduced a smart thermometer actually that, that goes in the pond. You can actually see the, you know, the temperature of your pond on your phone and with a smart controlled, um, plug or a smart controlled lighting system. Anyway, it's exciting. It's yeah. The, oh, I'm the making notes. That's why I'm so serious. <laughs> are really cool. Like as far as the automations you can have them do, um, you can set them to, kind of speak to each other, if you will. So if the temperature of the pond drops below, you know, this level, I want you to turn my lights blue, you know, kind of thing, or and I want them to turn, you know, <laughs> yellow when they're, when it's at this level anyway, and this okay. type of things like that, as well as, you know, just, okay, go on when it's dark and off when it's, you know, it's light. Mm -hmm. um, but it, you can also do it, you know, turn on my bubbler, you know, I have a de-icer or uh, that type of thing, plug in, that so there's a lot of different ways you can can use the smart control systems as well so um yeah so we'll, anyway wi-fi controlled great. products in the pond are are the non-trend yeah <laughs> and i think that adds to the low maintenance aspects yeah. right you know because yeah. i think that's the thing that holds people back is they think it's a lot of work and it's a lot of maintenance and right. it looks like aquascape has done a really great job of breaking that down and making you know from the whole um bacterial like you said the yeah, beneficial the beneficial yep. bacterias to, to maintaining it and now to that kind of program um, yeah. with why, you know, having those things available. That's great. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Just as we reach the last 10 minutes, we do have two quick questions um, from Angela. Uh, Angela says, wow, after all those calculations, my calculator died. Uh, only kidding. Uh -huh. uh, but she's also here in Southern Ontario and is wondering um, what are the best fish for ponds in Southern Ontario? Would I keep the fish in the pond in the winter uh, mm -hmm. with the appropriate heaters, etc.? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fish are, um, you know, they are definitely a, a must for a pond, I'd say. Uh, I'll, I'll you know, lean towards koi just because the, they have this. I don't know, maybe this, their marketing team worked well for them <laughs> years ago, but um, but they they do tend to be a, a nice hardy. It's a carp basically, but they their color scheme is quite nice, uh, so they present well in a pond. Um, goldfish, shabunkins, and others are popular fish. Um, most fish, they're you know a lot of these fish are river fish. They they are used to uh, colder climates. They can survive being out in a pond in the winter time. They do go, go into a form of hibernation. Um, and we found that, you know, two feet or so is, is plenty for overwintering fish. Um, you know, a little deeper might, you know, two, between two and three feet is, is kind of your minimum what you'd want to be for fish. Mm -hmm. Um, you could go deeper. The issue is then you have more ice layer on top that you have to maintain open. And so we found that two feet kind of fits within a lot of um, municipality bylaws as well, as far as depth of, of water feature before, you know, requiring a you know, four-sided fence around. 
um, excavation for contractors. You know, two feet is is a usable amount that you can use as a berm around the pond too, and other things like that. So, um, but and then geothermals kind of keep the bottom layer of the pond open because you're now you know down deep enough that the fish will survive, and then it's just a matter of maintaining a, a hole in the ice, uh, whether it's with a, a bubbler or a deicer. Um, and a bubbler just meaning like a, an aerator mm -hmm. uh, compressor. So there's many ways of, of overwintering fish in, in ponds, even in Southern Ontario. Um, I've got, you know, customers in Ottawa and up North That's as right, well. Yeah. So, um, so some of the colder climates are doing well at, you know, two feet, two and a half feet, that kind of thing. So um, yeah, definitely want to have, uh, yeah, have fish in the pond, but yeah, it, I don't, I don't sell fish, but I, and I don't know what, yeah, that's, you know, it's a, customer yes. led, uh, yeah. desire for what kind of fish you want. <laughs> but I think some people think they have to bring the fish in and like they right. don't have the aquarium or the space, you know, to bring them yeah. in for the winter. And you really don't, if no. you've done it properly, you know, the fish will overwinter in the pond. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of neat that way. Yeah. So, so that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ernest. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're very welcome. Yeah. Did you have another question or we're good or that? that was a, yeah. Oh uh, no, I think yeah, I think we've had that of the that question. It was a little off time, right so I'll we'll reply to it afterwards. Okay, but thank you very much. Yes, you're very welcome. Yeah, that's all. I'm so happy to have had this time with you guys. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. I mean, I you know joke about you know getting your feet wet or plunging into water gardening that kind of thing, but it's it is one of those things. Once you have one, that most people, um, uh, we you know do a lot of YouTube channels and my you know mm -hmm. visiting customers with ponds and. A lot of them will say, you know, I you know, built my first one and then we bought the new house and I bought the house with the idea of where the pond would go. Or if I'm going to have a house built, you know, it's kind of the pond is yeah. going to go here and build the house around where the pond is. So you really get it. It's addictive and people <laughs> it's just love addictive. water features. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to put all your contact, like all the Aquascape contact information. And I'm going to link, you know, you've been on our show a few times in the past, not for a couple of years. So we're so happy that you came back. But yeah. I want to li link to your past shows and all the math that you taught us. <laughs> sure. Sorry <laughs> so about that, everybody. No, no, that's okay. It's important, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you and best of luck for this season. So we're, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah, see we're you on the other side for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Thank you so much, everyone. You're yep. welcome. Bye, Thanks, Ernest. Ernest. Bye. <laughs> Take care. That's great. Yeah, so that was a great show. I'm really excited. Um, so, yeah. So, Matt, so what else is happening? Uh, busy, busy, busy. Getting just getting things ready, getting ready to be outside, finishing mm -hmm. off college. Uh, we both got lots of calls coming in for consults mm -hmm. and designs. Um, so, yeah, where does it, it's just beginning. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you're still teaching at the college and then you're about probably about to start at the garden center, right? Yep, going to start at the garden center and then I've got all the other stuff on the side. So I, I'm i just swamped <laughs> in a different way than you are, but but definitely we're, it's, it's fast and it's furious and the weather is yeah. great. So reach out if you need services, you know, now is the time to call. Because uh, just like you were saying, setting those expectations, right? Um, it's not going to be able to happen overnight or when it works for you to pick up the phone. So just right. make sure that you are, you're there and you're ready to get ahead out, jump on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm taking the calls. I'm trying to space. I'm doing well because I'm trying to space, leave myself time for designing. I've learned this. It's taken me this long to figure that out that, you know, you can't see 10 people in a week because you can't do 10 designs in a week, <laughs> you know, the next week. So, uh, so really just kind of spacing people out. So, yeah, I'm booking the last week yeah. of April um, and uh, it's going good. And we'll see what the weather. I still think there's some cold weather ahead of us here in the GTA. So, yeah. So that'll spread things out, but the season's doing well. And, you know, like Ernest said, people are wanting to spend time outside and, and really look at their homes differently. So that's exciting. And we're excited um, to bring you like next month starts a new month, right? So we've got some exciting, very exciting shows coming up. That's right. You've got it. Next, uh, April 5th is our next show and it is Easter Monday. However, uh, Joanne and I are seeing lots and Lots of, did I get that wrong or no 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 oh, okay right. yeah I was gonna say like we just made a split second decision like forty minutes ago yes yeah exactly <laughs> we were gonna have no show but we are gonna have a show because we have seen a lot of uh, questions on social media guys things are warming up quickly this spring uh, what do we do with what and how are we doing it and why are we doing it so mm-hmm. Joanne and I are gonna have a very laid back Easter Monday join us next week at seven and we're gonna talk all about the things. Uh, not to do in April, not to get that <laughs> Don't jump ahead. Don't do it, yes. <laughs> right? There's some things we need to give a little bit of time to. So we're going to talk yeah. about that, answer some questions. Mm-hmm. The rest of the month of April, as a lot of our uh, listeners love, is all about lawns. So uh, bring your lawn questions. April 12th, we're going to have an open lawn Q&A. We're going to talk about everything uh, going on in your garden, especially now in the spring. Uh, for uh, getting your lawn ready to go, as well as any other your questions for the rest of the year. And then we're going to continue our deep dive into lawns April 19th with a look at the lawn fertilizer. How do we do it? When do we do it? There are a few different types out there. How do they mm-hmm. work and which one is best? We'll take a quick look at that as well. And then lastly, we'll round out the month with grub control. Uh, we'll look at how to get rid of those pesky white grubs that destroy your lawn and emerge as Japanese beetles and June That's bugs. Right. And I'm sure we'll touch on a few other lawn insect issues then as well. We have a, a, an action-packed month uh, coming up for you. So if you've got questions, we've got answers. Don't forget to tune in. Don't forget to take a look at all of our uh, previous episodes as well. Um, we've got lots for you to check out there. Lots of great information for you to find. That's right. Um, and don't forget to check us out at downtoearth.ca and Matt. You can find me at naturalaffinity.ca as well. And uh, we're going to be posting the upcoming shows on our Facebook in our Facebook group. So I know we've getting a lot of emails asking us where they can find what's coming up. And so we encourage everybody to look for Down the Garden Path podcast on Facebook and join our group. And then you will be in the know. That's right. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on Down the Garden Path. We look forward to talking with you next week. We hope you're all doing well. Stay safe. Thank you again for joining us here on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.